0: emphasis on verse 5 today Colossians 3 1 through 10 it'll be page 1,253 or thereabouts didn't look up where where that now falls on the uh, bulletin but please uh, turn in your Bibles to that passage chapter 3 of Colossians beginning with verse 1 which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Father, we pray that Christ would indeed be in us, that you would work in our hearts, that we would truly be able to say truthfully that he is our life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been looking at a series here in the book of Colossians entitled The Good Life. What is the good life? The good life is not uh, our bank account or the luxury items in our house or luxury automobiles or great vacations. But the good life is the life that we've received because Jesus Christ alone is good. He alone is perfect. And he has given us uh, a right standing before God. More on that later, but that's part of the good life. And part of the good life is that He actually does change us, such that uh, we more and more live a truly good life. When I was traveling the country after college, I found myself working for a hunting camp up in the mountains of Colorado, and uh, the the camp cook. Uh, that was up there with me, was somebody who had really lived a rough life, and um, he had uh, done a lot of drugs. As a result, he had lost a lot of his teeth. Um, he was he was up there doing this job. It was clear to me because he was hiding from somebody. He would just assume to be in the mountains at ten thousand feet, and down in the city, um, and he had a drinking problem. And when you're up at a hunting camp at 10,000 feet in the mountains, you have a lot of time to talk. And so we talked, and I told him about Jesus and said, you know, there is one, Jesus Christ, that he alone is perfect, and I'm imperfect, and you're imperfect, and we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We all need a Savior, and Jesus Christ came to do that, to, to be that punishment, to take the, the wrath of God on our behalf, so we wouldn't have to if we would but trust in what he has done for us. And you know what his comment was to that? He said, I'm too far gone. And I said, well, you're halfway there. (laughs) You're halfway there. You, You understand, you have a need. But don't let that need prevent you from coming to the one who can give you everything you need, a right standing before God. It's on the basis of what he's done. He said, no, I'm too far gone. And and maybe you're here today, maybe you feel, feel like that, you feel like I'm too far gone. Uh, maybe you've never really come to know Jesus, maybe you have come to know Jesus, but you feel like I've got this, uh, this besetting sin in my life, or sins, or I've got this uh, desire in my life, or these desires that seem to grip me, and they've been there for the longest time, and uh, I'm just too far gone, there's no hope for change. Well, the good news is you can change. God is going to enable you to live the good life, and he's going to do that in part, we'll find out today, by giving you the ability and the motivation of killing the bad life within you. Now, the Bible talks about, when it talks about a way of life or a way of living, um, it uses the term walk or walking. And we see that in Colossians chapter two, verse six. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Now we covered that passage many weeks ago, right? A lot we've covered a lot since then. In our passage today, we read, and Colossians three, seven, and these you too once walked when you were living in them. And then we see in Colossians chapter three, verse five, put to death therefore what is earthly in you. So between chapter 2, verse 6, and chapter 3, verse 5, everything there is about what somebody else has done, what Christ has done. It has nothing to do with with what we've done. Did Paul just sort of lose his train of thought between those two verses? No, what comes between those two verses has everything to do with you being able to put these things to death to put the bad life to death to put sin to death and there are two things that he covers in these verses in between that Jesus Christ has done and accomplished for us I'll use the theological terms and then we'll unpack it the first is justification and the second is union justification means that you are declared right in God's sight we're declared right we're declared righteous we're declared perfect in God's sight And it it happens not because we have achieved it, but because Jesus and Jesus alone achieved it in his perfect life and in his death on the cross. And that if we would, by faith, trust in him as a substitute, that we would receive that perfect record and shame. uh, We'd be delivered from shame. We'd be delivered from guilt. And we'd be delivered from the penalty of our sins. As many of you know, uh, Gabe Allen and I just got back from a mission trip to London, and we were um, we were there to, to do outreach to South Asians, uh, Muslims, Hindus, and Sikhs, and we would uh, attend and visit different uh, places of worship. We attended on Tuesday a Sikh gurdwara. it's the, the largest uh, Sikh temple in Europe, and uh, the one of the religious leaders there was gracious enough to to meet with us as a group, and he would speak about what Sikhism is about. And um, he talked about karma, the the concept of karma that that, uh, the Sikhs and Hindus believe in. And he described it to us this way. He said, if you owe the bank 10 pounds, British British currency, 10 pounds, even just 10 pounds, they will never waive They will never forgive that 10 pounds. In fact, you must repay it with interest. He said, that is karma. That's how it works. You can't ever receive a a, uh, removal of the debt that you have. You have to earn the removal of your debt. Last Sunday, a week ago, we were in church, uh, Gabe and I, and we heard from another South Asian immigrant who was a preacher he was preaching a uh, Christian preacher and uh, and he used this illustration uh, an American illustration about an American about LaGuardia, the mayor of uh, New york city and the illustration went something like this he said back in the in the depression, there was a woman uh, who had stolen bread because she was hungry, her family was hungry, she was desperate, and LaGuardia, the mayor of New York City from time to time, would uh, take the place of a judge. He would come and sit in the seat of the judge and he would try cases. And so this woman's case came forward and uh, he heard about her and her dire situation and the, um, the shop owner said that this, this woman needs to be um, made an example of, this is a bad neighborhood and I'm not willing to, to forgive the, the debt. She needs to be punished. And the judge sighed, and Lagordia said, well, you either have to pay $10 um, penalty or 10 days in jail. And so he pulled out his wallet, and he pulled out a $10 bill, and he gave it to her, and then he fined everybody in the court uh, 50 cents, and he collected $47.50 and gave it to her. Now, the preacher said, That's how it works. That's how it works with God. We receive what we receive by grace as a gift. It's something we can never earn and never deserve, but we receive it as a gift. And if you'll remember, uh, we covered Colossians uh, Colossians chapter 2. Verse 14 said exactly that. It said, God canceled the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. That we, in effect, have written an I owe you to God that we can't pay. And what God has done is he's taken that in Jesus Christ and he's nailed our debt, our spiritual debt, to the cross. And we can't, we could never pay it, but God has paid it through the death of Jesus Christ. He took it the wrath and the punishment and the justice for us. And so what we learn from this is that we are, are guilt-free and shame-free because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished and simply through faith in him. Now, we speak of that in terms of eternal life, and it gives us eternal life. It gives us an eternal future with God, and we know that we're going to heaven on the basis of what Jesus has done. But how about in the here and now? Paul is going to make the argument that as we set our mind on heavenly things, on Jesus Christ in heaven and what he's done, that's going to transform us now in the way we live. And so as we believe that we are shame-free and guilt-free uh, in this world because only because of what Christ has done, then joyfully we live out of that joy for him. The opposite is that if we really look at things realistically, we are like my friend, the cook, who says, I'm too far gone. The burden is too great. But we are free. We're free in Jesus Christ to live for him. The second thing is union with Christ. And that means that we have an intimate relationship with Jesus such that my identity is wrapped up with his life and death and resurrection and everything that that accomplishes. Um, Back in Colossians chapter 2, Verses 11, uh, 12, and 13, we see uh, the terminology of being buried with him in baptism, being buried and raised. Uh, The the words might be translated literally from the Greek, you've been co-buried and co-raised with him. And so we're not co-dependent on Jesus Christ. Jesus is not dependent on us, but we are fully dependent on Jesus Christ. What he did, what he accomplished, when he died, we died when he was raised from the dead we were raised from the dead that's why we look forward to resurrection from the dead but even in the here and now we receive the benefits of new life that is within us that is working within us the the best example i can think of because this is a mystery it's a mystical relationship that is not simply psychological i use this on easter sunday about union with christ and that was the movie et the 80s movie you know where E.T., the extraterrestrial, was uh, the friendly extraterrestrial, uh, met the 10-year-old boy Elliot, and they developed a bond. And one day uh, when Elliot was at school, as a 10-year-old, E.T. was at home, and because E.T. had not been given the manual on Earth food, he was foraging through the refrigerator, and he happened to find a six-pack of beer, and not knowing what it was, drank it and got drunk. And so while E.T. was drunk at home, staggering around, Elliot, the 10-year-old boy, was at school staggering around drunk. He gets a call from, uh, this, his mother gets a call from the school, you've got to come pick up your drunk 10-year-old, right? Uh, obviously quite a shock because they had this connection between them, this, you call them mystical, and you couldn't see it. It was a mystery, but they had this deep connection. Later in the movie, when E.T. Uh, gets sick, and become sicker and, and almost to the point of death we find Eliot going through that same process and with Jesus Christ we find that what it says here in the text is when Christ died, you died when Christ was buried, you were buried when Christ was raised, you were raised and we receive the benefits and the reality of what Jesus has accomplished for us and that affects not only our eternal destiny but it affects how we live today it gives us hope in living the truly good life. An example of that connection is found in the book of 1 Corinthians. The, the church in Corinth, the city of Corinth, was a city. Uh, I've been there to the current site. Uh, during the day, a thousand temple prostitutes would come into the city, and it was rampant. Prostitution was rampant. And so the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6.15, Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. The Apostle Paul doesn't simply say to the Corinthians, stop it. He says, you have a deeper union and connection in spirit with the Lord than any other uh, union and that as a result you need to be careful the other types of unions you have uh, because it is inconsistent with Christ the Christ that you are united to or one spirit with him and so we read in Colossians 3 5 put to death therefore what is earthly in you we died with christ and so we should put to death therefore what is earthly in us, sexual immorality impurity passion evil desire and so it sort of goes without saying but there's one thing that we do need to say and that is we have things that need to be put to death as long as we live in this life uh, we will not be perfect when jesus christ returns we will be conformed to his image we will be made completely like him And we will no longer sin. But until that time, we all have things, we have sins that need to be put to death. Now next week we're going to be looking at in greater detail um, ways in which uh, we put uh, sexual sin and other sins mentioned here to death. Uh, But this week I want to specifically focus on the root, the root problem the root problem that is explained here and how we need to remove even the root in order to affect uh, the other sources of our sin in our life. And that is that we find here in the text that even the desire, even evil desire is sin. Even the want to, to sin, is sin and we must remove it says here remove put to death therefore what is earthly in you evil desire now on one level that's very discouraging even the desire to do evil is sin and something that we must put to death Uh, it's it's not enough simply to say that we're not going to engage in sexual sin or stealing or doing or saying hurtful things to people but instead we must also do away with lust and desire for something someone else possesses, possesses or anger in our hearts. And so the bad news is that the bad life of sin is far more deeply ingrained and buried within me than I generally would like to admit. Right? Jesus Christ uh, put it this way and he was speaking uh, to the Pharisees, to the religious leaders of his day. And the context was that they were all about uh, doing external things that would uh, clean themselves up. They would be very interested in, in eating the right, the right foods, uh, the clean foods, and, and washing their hands, and ceremonial washings, external things. And Jesus said this do, not, do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. In the book Gospel Transformation, the comment is made, which is easier to avoid, meat or to avoid anger? Not that it would be easy for some of us to avoid meat, but we could do it. Many people do. They deny themselves the succulent pleasure of a thick, juicy steak with baked potato and sour cream salad and garlic there. But what can anyone abstain? But can anyone abstain from anger? Pharisees can avoid meat, but they are very angry people. So angry, in fact, that they become murderers. But there is something that is extremely encouraging about this passage. And that is, that which motivates you and drives you to sin can be killed. The prophet Ezekiel spoke of this reality. I read it earlier today in our first reading, Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my laws. We don't simply um, have an upgrade. We need, uh, we need a new heart. We need a change of heart, a dramatic shift uh, from a heart that is hostile to God to one that desires to please God. It's, if you have a computer, it's, you know, you've got to gotta change out the motherboard. A few months ago, a couple months ago, Intel, the chip maker, it was discovered that they've got a fatal flaw in their uh, chip that allows mel- mar- malware uh, to run rampant on it. Um, we, need, we need a whole new motherboard, a whole new chip that is made right, and I guess to continue the analogy, uh, since we're not perfect, uh, we continue uh, to need upgrades, we need firmware updates. For some of you who are geeky, I don't know if I got that right or not. But uh, So we have, a, we have a new change of heart. We have a new heart. Our, our heart of stone, our unresponsive heart is removed. And we now have a heart that seeks uh, after God. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, it's because the Spirit of God has come into your life and has changed your heart. And so as discouraging as it can be that we have these besetting sins and these evil desires, That seem to be with us The good news is that Over time God will put them to death And you can put them to death And so if we would have any hope Of living the good life uh, I've got to kill sin Not only at the visible level But at the invisible level uh, At the level of my desires And you have the ability And the motivation in Christ To put to death Evil desires they are not inevitable. Hatred is not inevitable. Anger is not inevitable. Bitterness is not inevitable. And as I mentioned, I think in the first or second um, uh, sermon in this series, um, you know, wouldn't your life be better? Wouldn't it be the good life without these things? You come home to your spouse or your parents after work or after school. You know, how was your day, dear? Um you know, I was just seething with anger all day. It was just such a wonderful day. I mean, all day long, I was just so angry I could spit. Uh, I was just filled with bitterness and rage. You know, I wanted to hit somebody. I didn't do it, but that was what I did all day long. Or, or how about this one? I was, you know, I was filled with lust and desire for the person at the ne- next office next door. You know, try sharing that one uh, with your spouse and your day is going to not be a good day it's going to be a bad day so we uh these are things that make our lives bad we want to be we want to remove these things from our lives and so we can remove these things from our lives so the first thing culminating in all this what what happened in between with justification and union how does that impact us in putting these things to death Paul has said in Colossians 3, 1 and 2, Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated. Set your minds on things above. Uh, Christ is seated there on the right hand of God. Seek, seek your, uh, set your minds on things that are above, not on earth, because you died and your life is hidden with Christ. And so we are to constantly remind ourselves of the realities that we experience um, in our lives, that shame is done away with, that guilt is done away with, that my record of sin is done away with, and that when Jesus Christ appears one day that I will appear with him, my true self, my best self, what I'm going to be will appear with him. And as I set my mind on these things and these realities and hope in these things, God will use that to encourage you and to enable you to kill even desires in your life, evil desires. So keep your mind on what Christ has done. He's secured your freedom from guilt. Keep your mind on who you are in Christ. The real and best you looks like Jesus, and you are moving inevitably toward looking like Jesus. Third, with what Christ has done for you in mind, who you are, step forward and put sin, even evil desire, to death by any means necessary. When I looked up kill in the dictionary, in the thesaurus, it says assassinate, drown, execute, massacre, poison, asphyxiate, and strangle. There are lots of ways of killing, and we're going to talk more about that next week. But by any means necessary, take it seriously and put to death, put to death. Therefore, what is earthly in you, evil, desire. and then have faith. Step forward, and kill it. I've mentioned before. I, I kind of like the show, uh, forged forging fire. Uh, there's not much to it. There are these competition of people forging weapons. My wife's not such a, a big fan, and part of the reason why is because it it, it kind of ends relatively violently right i don't know if you've seen it um they either have a um a ballistics dummy you know with sort of semi-lifelike blood inside and or they use maybe a a pig carcass and so they'll take these weapons that they have forged at the end and they'll see whether they will actually kill a ballistics dummy you know and, and, and do the work and so this expert uh this weapons expert comes up and he slashes through the dummy or the pig carcass. That's the part my wife doesn't like. And uh, he says, if it is effective, this weapon will kill. And he says it with a smile, right? And now, that is exactly how we should view stepping forward in faith, trusting in the, uh, the work, the finished work of Jesus Christ and who we are in him, Believing that this is weaponry that will kill. And you must, and and now it's not a one-time deal. Uh, You have to time and time and time again not give up. So affirm it by faith that evil will not rule over your heart. And don't be discouraged because it is a lifelong process. If you do not grow weary, if you do not give up, you will have victory over that which is earthly, the flesh, and the devil that rages against you and you will because ultimately though you work it is God who works in you to work and to will I've got a friend in ministry his name's Michael Gordon and he just he shared this anecdote he said when I was a kid I'd go deer hunting with my dad he would climb up into this really high tree stand and then I would hold on to a rope as he pulled me up I gripped that rope with everything I had and I thought that it was my grip that would get me to the top The truth was that my dad had wrapped that rope around me numerous times and tied me really tight with knots so that he was doing the work of lifting me to the top. I held the rope because he pulled. And that's how it is. We have been tied tightly, securely in Jesus Christ and in his good work. And our Father pulls us up uh, inevitably uh, to the good life. We do need to work. We do need to exert effort. But it's ultimately God who works in us through the work of Jesus Christ. An example, a wonderful example of the work of God in, in doing something radical in somebody's heart on the desired level is um, Stephen. Stephen in the New Testament uh, was what we would now call a deacon. He ha- had done mighty works for God. And as a result, he got the attention of those uh, in the religious community that were opposed to him. And so they they slandered him. They took him to court uh, on trumped-up charges. And it's recorded in Acts chapter 6, beginning with verse 11. Then they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. And so then Stephen spoke, and if you go to chapter 6, verse 11, it's a long speech. He goes through the history of Israel and how God was working to save and redeem Israel. And it culminates with him saying regarding those that were standing in front of him, you who received the law as delivered by angels did not keep it. Now, when they heard these things, they were enraged, and they ground their teeth at him. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and rushed together at him. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their garments at the feet of a young young man named Saul. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And falling to his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, and here's the remarkable part, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. He had been unjustly mistreated in the extreme, and yet on his heart level, he had a desire that those who had done this evil against him would be forgiven again this account in gospel transformation the late Ayatollah, uh, ayatollah khomeini of iran spent his whole adult life nursing hatred over the very real injustices of the shah of iran the result was that not only did he become like the shah he actually became worse than the shah ever was stephen exemplifies exactly the opposite response Stephen is faced with a worldly court that was judging, condemning, and stoning him. Crippling situation. What did Stephen do? He looked to heaven and saw Christ standing in the heavenly court. Stephen focused on another reality and a different court in heaven. A court before which Stephen had already been acquitted. He had been declared righteous. Out of this knowledge of the gospel, Stephen could pray, Lord... Do not hold this sin against them. Stephen gives us a picture of, an amazing, of amazing power and compassion. Our response all depends on who we are looking at. Will we look at the people who have wronged us or at the person who has forgiven us? So, how do you feel about the people who have wronged you? What's going on in your heart? What's going on, on at a desire level? Are you angry? Are you bitter? How do you feel feel when people you know and love are mistreated? Sometimes that can be even worse. Angry? Are you bitter? What's your internal response? It's possible to have a heart like Stephen. We read in Colossians 3.1, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Stephen looked at the one who was seated at the right hand of God, Jesus Christ. And we are to set our minds on things above, not on things that are on earth. So move forward in the knowledge that you are in Christ. Move forward in the knowledge of Jesus Christ has done these things for you. Step forward in faith and kill evil desire desire in your heart. You are not too far gone might seem impossible, but don't believe it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news that means that we